me show you why you guys are here. These are images of archaeological digs from all over the earth. That's Egyptian, Mayan, Sumerian, Babylonian. That's Hawaiian there at the end, and Mesopotamian. Now this one here is our most recent discovery. It's a 35,000-year-old cave painting from the Isle of Skye in Scotland. These are ancient civilizations that were separated by centuries. They shared no contact with one another, and yet. The same pictogram showing men worshipping giant beings pointing to the stars was discovered at every last one of them. And the only galactic system that matched was so far from Earth that there's no way that these, these primitive ancient civilizations could have possibly known about it. But it just so happens that that system has a sun, a lot like ours. And based on our long-range scans, there seemed to be a planet. Just one planet with a moon capable of sustaining life. And we arrived there this morning. Welcome to Screen Run. I'm your host, The Lady Juan, and Screen Run is the podcast where we discuss the films of a particular artist or franchise one by one. Season two is all about the alien films. Unfortunately, my co-host Chris isn't able to join us for this episode, but I am so very excited to have one of my favorites from hashtag film Twitter. Ah! Megan Kearns is here. Hi, Megan. Hi. <laughs> I'm so touched and I'm blushing and I'm all excited to be here. <laughs> Yay. So Megan is a film critic and she's co-host of the podcast Spoiler Piece Theater. And that's theater with a T-R-E because they fancy. We are. And I'm <laughs> so glad that you're joining me today. We're going to talk about the next movie in the Alien series, Prometheus. Mm-hmm, we sure are. So, Megan, can you tell our lovely audience a little bit about your personal history with the Alien films and Prometheus in particular? Oh, boy. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so I am so excited because, one, I adore you. I love talking <laughs> with you about film. It's my favorite thing. So there's that. But then I also love the show. So there's that because the show's amazing. <laughs> And then I also am so excited to be here because Aliens, the second one, 1986, is my favorite film of all time. I, yeah, I absolutely adore it. I love it. I watch it multiple times a year, every year. (laughs) It's so great. And so that was actually the film that was my introduction to the Alien franchise. Oh. Yeah. When I was, so I one time wrote an article about how I was 10 years old the first time I saw Aliens, but that's actually not true. I was like seven or eight years old, (laughs) which I know is funny because I think Matt also saw it when he was like seven when he said that on the episode. (laughs) So yeah, so it was a very formative experience and I came in kind of midway when Ripley is about to go down to rescue Newt. She's going down the elevator and then she's, you know, obviously got the suit on and she's battling the alien queen. And I was like, what is this movie? I need to see the rest of it immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I did and it was amazing. And I saw Alien a few years later and Mm -hmm. also amazing. I love it (laughs) just as much. I love both of them together. And then I've seen every single Aliens movie or Alien movie in the theater as they come out. The only one I haven't seen is AVP Requiem. So I've seen all the others. Yeah. You know what? 
I recently watched Alien vs. Predator Requiem, and I didn't see most of it either. Uh, the cinematography is horrendous. It's so dark. Half of the movie, you can't see anything. So you, you really huh. are not missing it. Like, right. Just got to say. <laughs> I didn't really feel like there was a gap in my life and in my no. cinema watching mm-hmm. experience. So good to know. Good to know that I yeah. chose the right one to uh, to avoid. Yeah, for sure. I I would say my recommendation for that would be listen to our last episode where you can hear Claire talk about Alien vs. Predator Requiem, but don't watch that movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not good. It's not good at all. Um, (laughs) That's always my favorite recommendation. It's like, don't watch that movie. (laughs) <laughs> just save save yourself the heartache and the trouble and the time yeah and and here's the thing is i personally like alien versus predator i yeah, i know like it's fun yeah. and that's for me the first alien movie that i saw so i didn't know that it was like you know what some people just like kind of write it off as like eh, it's just like fan fan nonsense like it's not sure. it's not part of the true story whatever it's fine it's still a good time Sonali it, is great. Yes, she's so good. I stand by that. So yeah, but, I mean, no, I don't think of it as the other alien films. Like I think of it as kind of separate. Right. Like they just live on their own, those two. Exactly. And one of them is good and one of them is terrible. So <laughs> well, I'm glad I saw the good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, truly, like there's it's there's so little that you can see in the other one. It's so dark. That's so weird. I I'll just rewatch but, Aliens for the yeah. million bajillion times because <laughs> it is a masterpiece as an alien. They're yeah. both wonderful. Yeah. So great. So just for me, for Prometheus, I was slightly aware of this movie when it was coming out. And I've seen people on Twitter for almost the past 10 years saying, why did they take their helmets off? But I had never seen it before. Um, I'm so glad we're going to get into the helmets because it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah. Oh, I've been been seeing that on Twitter for years. And I'm just like, I don't know what happens in this movie other than they take their helmets off. (laughs) I didn't know anything else was going to happen except for I knew they were all going to take their helmets off. So, yeah. So I saw this in the theater. I had not rewatched it since that time I saw it. So it's been about (gasps) like a good nine, ten, eight years, however many years. Yeah. Yeah. And there are only about three things I remember. I remember (laughs) the abortion surgery scene, which Mm -hmm. is my favorite scene. And, oh, my God, I cannot wait to dig into it. (laughs) Them taking their helmets off like idiots. And why is Charlize Theron running in a straight line and getting squished? But anyway, Uh, so those are the three things I remember uh, (laughs) from the film. And I was like, yeah, that tracks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was the only thing I, I really knew about it going into this. So before we get into everything that kind of happens in the movie and all of the questions raised by the film, because that's like the whole whole thing about this, let me just kind of quickly run through how this movie came to be. So in the early aughts, development on a fifth alien movie began, and originally James Cameron, who was director of The Amazing Aliens, had an idea for a story to be set before the original Alien. He was kind of involved. But then as it started looking like Fox was going to dive into the Alien versus Predator thing, James Cameron was out. He was like, yikes. (laughs) He thought doing Alien versus Predator at all was just like creatively bankrupting like the franchise, which is what a lot of uh, fans of the franchise seem to think. So it is very Freddy versus Jason. So yeah, Yeah, he's like, oh, wait, that's the vibe you're going for. I'm just going to slowly back away from this. So he peaced out. (laughs) And then finally around 2009, 
they circled back to this idea because Alien versus Predator Requiem got atrocious reviews and they just were like, never mind. Even though it set up a sequel, they just kind of walked away from that. And uh, Ridley Scott came back into the picture. He wanted to tell a story set before the original Alien. So he's finally back in this series after 30 years, essentially, at this point. And we have a script written by John Spates. He wrote it as a prequel and Ridley Scott liked it but didn't love it he wanted it to be a little bit more different than the original alien film and he had damon lindelof join the project to rewrite the script and damon lindelof is a real big red flag for me because (laughs) i'm still really upset by lost (laughs) oh can we can we dig into damon lindelof a bit Ooh, we don't have to yeah. now but because <laughs> well, yeah well i have no, lots of thoughts on him too let's because <laughs> he <laughs> let me just like let me give this quote from damon lindelof he said i'm driven and interested and intrigued by ambiguous storytelling almost do it yourself Writing for Ridley, I would often ask him what he wanted to convey in a certain moment, and then I would try to avoid verbalizing that intention. I want the audiences to do it themselves. So while this is harder to get gratification, it's like the Friday New York Times crossword puzzle. It's so much harder than Mondays, but also so much more rewarding. No, Damon Lindelof. (laughs) Like, no, that's not a good comparison because that is like... If you had all of the clues for the crossword puzzle, but there were no boxes, you need the boxes to know that you've done it right, to know that you found the answer. Things have to connect. He's not doing the other part of it. He's just like posing a ton of questions and then going like, I don't know. What do you think? And it's like, no, no, you're the storyteller. What? It's. (sighs) So that is absolutely a appallingly bad analogy on his part and as a writer he should know better what the hell is wrong with him yeah I will say though I will say I actually love Damon Lindelof and I I love Lost from start to finish yes I love that finale I will go hard in the paint defending that finale I love it (laughs) don't get me wrong there are disaster episodes amongst the show that are wildly problematic like Nikki and Paolo who cares nobody cares (laughs) They're terrible. Nobody cares. If I never saw the man in black again, it would be great. Like, I don't care. I don't care. But overall, I love that experience. And it is like no other. I also am a huge, huge, diehard fan of The Leftovers, which I think is an absolute masterpiece. And I think that is probably the best thing Damon Lindelof will ever do. Because from start to finish, that is sheer masterpiece, cinematic brilliance. Even though it's a TV show. Great. It's yeah. wonderful. But it's funny because I think a lot of the questions he's raising in Lost and mm. in The Leftovers, which is funny because, you know, Lost is before Prometheus, Leftovers is after Prometheus. But so mm. many of the questions he's raising about religion, about truth, about searching for meaning, about forgiveness, about suffering, about grace, all of these things are floating around Prometheus. Yeah. But the problem is Prometheus is just <laughs> junk. But <anyway. laughs> and and the biggest problem is the script. The script is yeah. terribly written. And I yeah. love Damon Lindelof. So for me to say that, I feel like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, it, it sounds to me like the creative process was Ridley Scott had a bunch of ideas that didn't make sense. And instead <laughs> of Damon Lindelof pushing for logic, right. he said, well, that doesn't make sense. So let's not commit to any of it. 
let's make it all ambiguous because that's cool and it's like no it's not (laughs) and and i'm gonna push back slightly because i do actually really love ambiguity in film i do i love it i love when you are not told something explicitly but you are shown Mm -hmm. and you have to piece it together yourself i do actually like that kind of watching experience uh, but there still has to be logic and yes. none of that is happening here. Yeah. None of it. It's, so everything if, I feel like he was going for, he just missed the boat completely. If everything makes sense and then you've got some ambiguity, then it's interesting. Yes, and you're yes, like, ah, yes. so I know what the rules are here because yes. you've established this universe and now I will think about it on your terms. Very cool. Make my brain stretch. Yes. Like, let's do it. <laughs> but if just, if absolutely nothing makes sense, then like, now I'm just frustrated. Right. And I will say, like, that's not the experience I had with Lost. I'm still just really upset that at one point I was spending hours. I, I was in, like, my I – was, I was in my prime, and I was spending hours viewing the source code on websites to find oh, yeah. secret videos of Marvin Candle. And yep. I'm right there with nothing, you. For nothing. <laughs> like – no. Well, the biggest uh. lie that Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof ever said was, oh, it all comes together. We have mm-hmm. answers. We planned mm-hmm. it all out in advance. And then it, after the show, it's like, oops, we didn't plan anything. We were flying yeah. by the seat of our pants. And it's yeah. like, what? Yeah. Just sort of like, oh, yeah, well, well, you know. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, like, well, you know, that pretty much sums up their mm-hmm. attitude about it which yeah. maybe is why I like the leftovers so much because Damon Lindelof made so many mistakes along the way <laughs> <sighs> it's good to learn and to yes. grow and yeah I just wish uh, it hadn't been on uh, my favorite film franchise <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think that's a lot of people's feelings towards this movie is it's kind of really sort of split into two camps like People who love the Alien franchise and are like, why are you messing with this? And like creating questions where we didn't have them or like inserting weird lore and mythology that we didn't ask for and doesn't actually add to the story. And also maybe you're not even answering it. And and then some people just like, they think it's like really cool looking mm-hmm. and fascinating and just weird and different. And I have to agree with kind of both things because I don't have this deep personal attachment to these films. I came to them so late. I saw Alien in 2020. I saw mm-hmm. Aliens on New Year's Day 2021. By the way, like, that's an amazing way to kick off the new year. I just want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I might start it, implementing it that. <laughs> yeah. Started started strong. Yes. So, I <laughs> Yeah, I I just I don't have that attachment where I feel like this movie is like ruining things for me mm-hmm. because I think I think if I did I would be really really mad at like Alien 3 which <laughs> because... I am actually. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I mean That's here's fair. the thing, like yeah, I I mean I've talked about this so many times I feel like because you can't not talk about Alien and Aliens without people asking, "Well, what do you think about Alien 3 and Alien 4?" Like it's just it's yeah. always in the in the conversation and I think Alien 3 and Alien 4 are both good movies I just don't like them as alien movies with Ripley but I think they're both well done well constructed entertaining interesting movies I just try to like separate them out yeah (laughs) yeah and that's how I feel about this one as well especially after the nightmare of watching AVPR (laughs) 
previously is when this movie starts and I can see it and I recognize names in the credits. I was like, oh, man, this is a film. Like, <laughs> here we go. It was just, it was so refreshing after watching Alien vs. Predator Requiem twice uh, to watch Ooh. this. So I was like, this this is so pretty. And like, it's almost 10 years old now. It looks great. Yeah, it like, does. It does. It, Which is something that Scott Scott does well, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, it just looks so nice. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it really, that is kind of the struggle with this movie is where does it fit within the Alien series? And honestly, now at this point, I feel like more movies in franchises as they continue to go on, mm-hmm. I end up having this similar relationship with like the movie Solo in the, the Star Wars mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. That movie's pretty good. I Thank like you. it. I like it too. The heist is so cool. It's great. Um, I think everything should just come down to being a heist movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm on board. Yeah. No, I'm on board. But I'm so glad you brought that up because so many people shit all over Solo because it's not like other Star Wars films. And yeah. Listen, I'm a diehard Star Wars fan. That's my other favorite franchise. And I get it. But at the same time, it's like, no, it's kind of nice to let things be what they're going to be. And yeah. That's what I, I feel like Solo is like. I enjoy that movie. I saw it a couple times in the theaters. I didn't need that to be Han Solo. <laughs> like, no, no, it could have been anybody. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's kind of what I wish they would do more of is just like yes. back away. Yes. Like just don't even involve it. And because once that once that movie attaches itself to like, this is how Han Solo came to be. And I'm like, <laughs> everything I know about Han Solo happened to him in one week. Right. Really? <laughs> Chewy ate a guy? Really? Like, what? Once you do that, once you give a movie a responsibility that it doesn't necessarily need to be enjoyable, then you end up scoring it sort of against that. Right. And that's that's something that I think if this movie had just never, never mentioned that, like, it was related at all and they weren't, like putting Wayland in front of everything and just like really like not doing that. I think people would have received it a lot better to be like, Oh, this is somehow in the same universe, but I don't need it to be connected. Well, that's what's so weird because Ridley Scott in interviews. And I even believe the director's commentary also talked about that, that he's like, this isn't a direct prequel. This is just in the same universe. But then he completely contradicts himself Mm -hmm. by talking about the space jockey talking about Wayland and I'm like well, wait yeah. a minute which is yeah. it is it just in the same universe or yeah. is this a prequel and it feels like he's straddling both yes which means you don't really fulfill either well <laughs> yeah yeah I think it it definitely was he had this big audacious goal and the studio was like, yeah, 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 but it's going to need to be an alien movie because that's where we make all our money. And he was like, yeah, I will totally do that. And then like panicked and was like, yeah, uh, shit, throw in a Wayland. Um, uh, we're going to need to make that alien at the end, right? Okay, shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Figure it out, Damon. And Damon Lindelof's like, what? I thought this wasn't connected. Right? Well, that's what's so weird, too, because when you listen to the commentary from Spates and from Lindelof about the scripts and how they differ, Spates yeah. had face huggers and chestbursters and, and a lot of elements of yes. what we know of of Alien. But then Lindelof took it all out. And it's like, yeah. well, wait a minute. And again, it comes down to Ridley Scott. Like, which is it? Which do you want? Yeah. What do you want, sir? What's going on here? 
Yeah. Sir, excuse me. (laughs) I I feel like basically every movie that I have talked about on this podcast since Aliens, at some point, the studio has just shoved everything Mm -hmm. in one direction regardless of where they were in the creative process. Sometimes they were in development. Sometimes they were in production. Uh, Sometimes they weren't even in post-production. Like it was. Very true. Yeah. So. That damn studio messes things up. (laughs) Just what do they think they're doing? What do they think movies are just products? What? (laughs) Just to make money. Uh, How could they? Boo capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so that is, I feel like that is such the challenge of this movie is can can it be separated from the rest of the series and just sort of like look at it on its own and like I can do that, but I still have like a long list of questions. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's, I mean, yes, I think that I feel the same exact way. And because I feel like I've done that with other alien films. So I'm like, if I could do it with other alien films, I can do it with this one. But the problem is there are so many issues with the script, with logic that you just start picking everything apart. And then at least for me, that really erodes the enjoyment experience. It it does. It's, if you can't squint at it and like lose it all together, that's. That's not a good sign. I I actually, I read a comparison about how the original Alien film has a lot of unanswered questions as well. Like, who did send the distress signal? And like, Mm -hmm. what what did Ash know when? And and all of these things. And they're like, but you don't question that movie. And it's like, no, I don't. Because it's well written. Correct. Because it's not about those things. It's about this horror story. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. those things can kind of like be dismissed as like, oh, yeah, I wonder who sent the distress signal. Hmm. But that's it. It's not who sent the distress signal. We must know. Exactly. And that's what makes it feel like a separate entity, like like an actual real living, breathing story. Like these are real Mm -hmm. people. There's a real story because you're like, oh, I wonder what happened there. But it's not it's not disintegrating the core logic of the whole entire film and its premise, which is unfortunately what happens with Prometheus. So, yeah. Yeah, I. So I did a little little exercise here where I tried to answer the questions like based on the same amount of information, I presume, (laughs) that Damon Lindelof had, (laughs) which was like, what if I just make up an answer? So I tried to do that. I tried to just Mm -hmm. like answer these questions myself. So one one of the questions kind of posed about this movie is if these engineers, you know, came to earth, created humanity and like throughout generations over millennia, there's cave paintings all pointing to this star formation. But like, then they get there and eat yourself is like, this isn't even their planet. This is just a military base. Why would they be like, here's where our military base is, uh, all of humanity over millennia. And that does it really doesn't make sense no, when, no, when they set that up like this isn't their home world like well then why did they leave a map to here mm-hmm. so I have pushed an answer Ooh. I've just decided like if if there has to be one I will make one up and I've decided that from the beginning they have misread Charlie and Elizabeth have misread these cave paintings intent because there is no context to a cave painting there's just no. a cave painting so I've decided that the engineers were telling everybody so 
we made y'all and um, we keep checking in from time to time. But just FYI, this is where we keep the the stuff that's going to destroy you. So you're going to need to like keep in mind that apocalypse will be coming one day. And this is where it's from. Okay, cool. So now you know. <laughs> right. That's, so that's now you can the stay only in line. Yeah. Just like heads up. <laughs> The apocalypse lives here. This is where we keep it. And we'll bring it later, but not now. So stay in line. Like, I just, I just forced an answer, right? But like, if that had been, if that had been the answer in the movie, like, would that have been worse? Yes, no, I don't know. No, <laughs> I mean, that's, just, but somehow that is better, I think, than what's happening in this movie. Yeah. And like, I don't have a problem that it's not answering questions. That, that is actually yes. my least problematic issue with the film. And mm-hmm. I know that's a lot. And you're right. That is an issue for a ton of people. They're mad. Yeah. They didn't get their answers. They're mad that it's raising so many questions. I'm actually yes. totally okay with that. Although yeah. I do kind of like your answer that here's the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> like this is where we keep it. Um, I don't know. I just I was just trying to force an answer. Uh, but in the interest of, it's, you know, Dr. Shaw has got all these questions. And mm-hmm. she's like, I need to go. We need to go find them. Literally, through watching this movie, the only question I didn't have was the one that she had at the end, which is I need to find out. I need to ask them why they hate us and are trying to kill us yeah because i'm watching this in 2021 and i'm like um see everything (laughs) we are the worst the worst thing on planet earth is humans so i get it like i am i i guess team engineer like, (laughs) (laughs) like let's get rid of it it didn't work they gave us a long time to see if we could make this work and we didn't we failed we didn't we've we've done a terrible job so i i really i i guess it's it's probably psychologically says more about me as a person watching this movie that i'm like of course they would kill people we're the worst than than it does about like the movie's logic but yeah that was i was just like what what do you mean you need to know why they hate us have you everybody you arrived here with is dead (laughs) like and everybody was pretty terrible except uh maybe you know, Captain Yannick, he was okay. Yeah, <laughs> was he was all right. Yeah, he was all right. Everybody else was ridiculous and not yeah. in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I I would like to know like where the Christmas tree was kept when they were in hypersleep. Like, <laughs> where, like was that in like his personal effects? Right, and they were like, you can closet? only bring, you know, 20 pounds worth of stuff personally. And he was like, okay, well, I've definitely got to bring a tree. Because <laughs> uh, it's Christmas, and I love yeah. that this is a Christmas movie, which I know it you is. brought up on Twitter, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I started watching it. I'm like, wait, it is? Because I have been sarcastically asking that about the last two movies I've watched for this show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Alien vs. Predator has got a lot of snow. Does that make it a Christmas movie? And then yeah. I finally get around to this one, and I'm like, oh, literally, it is a Christmas movie. It's legit movie. a Christmas it, movie. It, it is. <laughs> There's a tree. Yeah. It's happening on Christmas. It ends on New Year's Day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had no idea that this was so timely. I'm I'm very Who happy knew? about it. Who knew? Um, yeah. Yeah. I just um, it's funny that you that you're talking about that's not the question you had at the end, Shaw. <laughs> because my question, and this was the question I had watching the entire film, is how else does the archaeological community view their views? Because to me, it sounds like a lot of bunk science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, and I mean, the fact right out of the gate when they're doing 
the briefing to the crew and they're talking yeah. about like, oh, these civilizations, Isle of Skye and Egyptians and Sumerian and Babylonian, they haven't had any contact with each other. Well, that's not true. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> the Babylonians and Sumerians and Egyptians did have contact. So wait a minute, right out of the gate, your statement is patently false. Yeah. So that just makes me think, okay, well, what else is false? What else is this movie not fact-checking? Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> Honestly, it kind of would have been a fun twist on the movie if they're setting it up where you think you've got like our experts, like this is Jurassic Park and this is, you mm-hmm. know, Ellie and, and here we go and they're the best in their field. And then it would, you know, turn out that they're just like hacks and right. just, like, insane people like that would that would be fun. But I don't feel like the movie <laughs> no. thinks they are. No, no, the no, movie no, no, is no. like she's the best. Like, yeah. And I'm like. I'm watching this as a as second time. I'm like, what is telling you that? There's nothing, nothing in this universe, in the world of this film is telling mm-hmm. me she is the best. Nothing. Not a single no. thing. No. And when I was watching it and they're giving their presentation, which to start, I was like, <laughs> how did the hologram know what side of the room they were sitting right? in? And like to know that they would stand on either side. I was like, did they re- rehearse this bef- bef- before hypersleep? I'm so confused. So that was just bizarre. When they're presenting it and they're like, these maps is it's in all of these places. And I'm like, okay. And then like, they created us. And I was like, wait, you skipped like nine steps between. Thank you. See, like, I could get I could watch a History Channel documentary about somebody showing me that there's the same sort of thing in all these different cultures. Like, sure, I'm I'm open to hearing that. And what does it really mean? But the leap that it means that these people who look just a little bit taller in the cave paintings, which that could be perspective. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, that doesn't necessarily mean they're literally what? huge. That could have been a leader uh, of the community. Right, they could be symbolic. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to mean that it was like, oh, well, this guy's like ten feet tall, so, <laughs> so we must he's a pretty big deal. <laughs> yes, yes, and like, at what point? You, like, this is your movie where you can make up everything. Yes. You can give them so much more evidence. Why don't you give it to them? <laughs> like, what? Why do you give? Why are they forced to make these leaps of logic? That throughout the movie, I was like, no, but for real, why do you think they created us? I know right. I saw it in the first scene, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that? Exactly. They don't give any evidence for that. No. It is as if Shaw and Holloway have seen the opening of the movie, and they're like, "That's that's how we know. <laughs> we that's know. Yeah. We're pressing. Like, we know." But that's the thing is is from what I've read about the making of this film. It was either in the script or, and I think they also filmed scenes too that kind of explain mm. more of their process, but yeah. they were all excised. And I'm like, okay, I don't have a problem with excising scenes, especially, you know, exposition and order mm-hmm. for pacing and atmosphere and all of that. But at the same time, when you watch it, it's like, why, how are they coming to this conclusion? Why are they immediately jumping to this? And it's just, it's so weird right out of the gate that I, yeah. it's hard to focus on anything else. It is. It's After it's that. super Ugh. bizarre. And I feel like they could have had an opportunity to, you know, I, I do. I do want to say a thing that I liked is that I enjoyed very much seeing how David spent his time while they were all in hyper. Oh, yeah. I liked that, too. Yeah. So and and I liked seeing not just that, like, he's dying his hair because he wants to look like Peter O'Toole and we get like a little like alien three callback where he's just like making an unnecessarily ridiculous basketball shot. Uh, like I, I appreciate seeing 
that time because I did have the thought when I first saw Alien is I was like, why was Ash in hypersleep? Like I watched it again immediately to be mm-hmm. like, is he really there? Did I just think he was there and he wasn't? But I get that. Um, so seeing him, seeing David using his time there, that was cool. Seeing how he's like spying on the dreams is cool. But why couldn't they have just, once Charlize wakes up mm-hmm. and she's like, go get everybody up. Why couldn't that be part of their like wake up process was everybody getting their own debrief, everybody getting their own thing. And then you can cut and paste the different parts of the setup instead of them all sitting in a weird, unnecessarily huge room. It's a hologram. It doesn't need to be life set. Like what? What? Why? It was so bizarre that they're all supposed to sit in these little chairs and watch this presentation. I was like, and you didn't do this before you went to sleep for two years? You waited? Well, this to me, that was a massive callback to Aliens because that's exactly what happens with the yeah. Marines is that yeah. they're giving the presentation and Ripley is there as an advisor. And yes. so to me, that's what's happening is that there are just there's so many callbacks to the original Alien, to Aliens, to Alien 4. Like, and it's just... Uh, for a film that is trying to blaze its own trail, supposedly, all right. it is doing is cobbling together pieces from other better films. Yeah. Just like, hey, look, an android got his head taken off again. Remember when that <laughs> happened before? Like, And it was creepy I then know. and it's creepy now. Yeah. Still <laughs> creepy. Uh, yeah. It was just. You're right, though. It is so strange that this like it sounds like for days, Bradley Scott was like, I want this to stand alone and yes. be different mm-hmm. and tell a different story. And instead, there's just like a shit ton of references yes. to all the other yes. movies, it's many so of weird. which he did not make. Like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> I, I love Lawrence of Arabia, so I'm not mad at all that they, that that's what David is deciding to watch you know, while everyone yeah. else is sleeping. And it's a great parallel to, you know, Peter O'Toole's character had kind of a God complex. It's a mm. deconstruction of the white savior narrative. It's, you know, it's all about how, you know, this guy who's really educated and is supposed to be amazing and everyone idolizes him and looks up to him and he's a hero, but really he's like bloodthirsty and is falling apart and is a disaster. And so it's kind of, a nice parallel to kind of see yeah. that because that's clearly what's happening here is there are people with God complexes and people who, you know, are supposed to be so great <laughs> and falling mm-hmm. apart. But uh, again, it just makes me be, it just makes me think I just want to watch for baby again, yeah. <laughs> rather than really digging into this film. And yeah. that, I mean, it's, it's such a problem because I keep coming back to the bad dialogue in this film. <gasps> Which is so bad. And my favorite terrible line in this is Holloway saying, it's Christmas. I want to open my presents now. There's only six hours left of daylight. Why don't you leave it till the morning? Oh, no, 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 no. It's Christmas, Captain. And I want to open my presents. What? Wait, what? What? Yeah. It's so bad. It's so bad. Truly, he's terrible in this movie. Yes! Logan, Logan Marshall Green is terrible, horrendous. And then Idris Elba's accent is kind of all over the place. I don't know what's happening there. And I love him, but I don't know what is happening there. As soon as he opened his mouth, I was like, oh, no. I was like, oh, no. Why is he Southern? Oh, no. We don't we don't need to do this. I feel like that was a choice no! he made. And like, 
he he couldn't stick to it. And then, oh my gosh, I feel bad. I can't remember the guy's name right now, but biologist who's in the Jurassic World movies, that guy, his accent also wildly all over the place. Yes. Yes. I mean, Numi Rapaz's accent is also all over the place too. I will excuse her (laughs) because like she's Swedish, so she's doing the very best she can. Yes. Yes, she is. (laughs) She worked hard with the dialect coach. I know she did. (laughs) And also like there's nothing really in her character that I have decided that she must have one type of accent or the other. We see like Mm -hmm, Patrick Wilson is playing her father. She clearly kind of lived in all different countries. Like I I assume she has been all over the world and she can have whatever accent she wants. But like. I like that explanation. Yeah. I'm I'm digging it. She's a woman of the world. (laughs) Yeah. She is. She is. But But uh, the other characters don't have that uh, experience. No, they do, they do not. No. That both both of those two characters, their first line is twangy as fuck, <laughs> and then they are never that southern again no. throughout the entire movie. No, I don't know it what was, is happening. <laughs> it was wild. They're yeah, they're truly. There are some very very bad lines, and I I want to complain about a few of them oh, yes, in yes. particular. The the just the weird like latent misogyny in some of these oh lines my is God, when they just yes. say that Vickers is going to give a lap dance. I was like, excuse me, what what part of Charlize Theron is implying that she's going to give a lap dance? Like, right? Why would they say that? Mm-hmm. It is it's gross. It's bizarre. And then when they're complaining about Holloway and Shaw, which valid because they are cray cray. Yeah, they're the but they worst. refer to him as that zealot and his girlfriend. And I'm like, yes, she is a doctor. Right? Like they're both zealots. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you're going to integrate one, yeah. integrate them both. Don't just integrate yeah. the woman. It's gross. Just like, it's also oh, Why are we doing gross. this? Yeah. yeah. I just didn't. Well, I and- didn't eat that. And then later, speaking of Vickers, when she comes in and she's talking to Yannick and he's like, oh, if you just wanted to have some sex, you didn't need to come and hang around. <laughs> what? And then he's like, yeah. oh, are you a robot? And then she's yeah. like, oh, 10 minutes, my room. Like, what? Huh? That was quite what? a left, sharp left turn. And uh... yeah, we we could have maybe skipped that scene and left in a part where they explained some some of their evidence for what's going on <laughs> in this mission. Yeah. Well, like. Exactly. And you know what the sad thing is about Vickers is that Charlize Theron worked with Ridley Scott and Damon Lindelof to make her character more complex. And I'm like, Uh what? What was she before? Exactly. That's terrifying to think about. (laughs) What was on the page that this is what was added? Well, something interesting was Lindelof said that the reason she's doing push-ups was that it was his excuse to get her half naked. <sighs> uh, I <I'm> hate like, men. Because <laughs> men suck and they're the worst. Uh, like, yeah. I just don't know why this has to happen. Right? Just right. And you know, and this is this is yet another reason why Ripley is the best. Yes. Thank yes. you, Ripley. Ripley is the best. <sighs> yeah. Oh, if. Yeah, that just just made me mad because if you're gonna <laughs> if you're going to you know make make your characters some meat and you want them to just be like appealing physically and mm-hmm. that's what you're doing, be equal. Yes, like yes. be equal. I don't care if if that's what you're doing, own it, but show me both. Yep. Yeah, I yep. have no like. Why not? Let's go. <laughs> Where's Idris Elba's push-ups? <laughs> 
think it, I know I keep bringing this up, but it's so funny watching this film and The Leftovers because The Leftovers, it does completely objectify the protagonist of Kevin. Like completely, Justin Thoreau's body is constantly on display and it's so funny. And I'm like, did Damon Lindelof maybe learn his lesson from like, his sexist shit he did earlier? I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to think so, but yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I I want to believe that he's grown and and learned and changed. That would be nice. It would be. Yeah. It would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> we all can change. But yeah. But speaking of bodies, I I want to talk about at some point, if not right now, my favorite, right now. favorite, favorite scene. Yes. The abortion surgery scene. Yeah. Let's get into it. That is, that is the reason I actually can watch this film. Like that yeah. scene is burned under my brain. I actually love that scene from start to finish. It is so <laughs> intense. Yes. Like, ah, <laughs> I was wa- the first time I watched it. I was like, Oh no, 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 no. And I kept like turning my head to not look, but I was like, but I need to see it. And you I was just like, Oh my god! I know. And when the lady, she's like programming it, and right from the beginning, she's program trying to program the pod to get have a cesarean, and it's like, yeah. I'm sorry, it's calibrated only for males, and it's like, what the hell? <gasps> Why? <laughs> right? Why? Exactly. And I've I've brought up this question before, and I've had people counter. Well, it's because Wayland was on board. I don't care. It doesn't have to be calibrated just for a man because Vickers was also living in that section too, and she's not a yeah. man. So there we are. So yeah, this this med pod is so special that only 12 of them were made in the entire mm-hmm. world and they they can't work on anybody. Right. Really? Right. Mm, Fuck these med pods. It's bullshit. Like, <laughs> Fuck these med pods. I want a yeah. t-shirt that says that. <laughs> <laughs> this med pod is jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I love that she's like, okay, you won't do the procedure I want. Well, I'm going to make it happen. And he, mm-hmm. you know, so stomach for an object. And then I love that she's yelling at it. Come on, get it out. Yes. It's so terrifying. I love it. It's, it's so intense. Yes. And like, uh, she's like she's really good in the scene yeah like, she's you yes. it feels real like it feels mm-hmm. like the the purest reaction that she could be having is just yes. to like take off fucking running like get it out of me mm-hmm. i don't like it was ah it's such an exciting scene because yes. i like not knowing anything about this when i'm watching it i was like Oh, is she gonna be like all excited that she's got like a, like an alien baby? I was like, because she's a she's a weirdo and she just cried about not being able to have kids. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh no, is she gonna be like, oh, it's my miracle? And instead, she's like, get it out! I know, like, and I'm like, run. this is the survival yeah. scientist I wanted yes. to see, and here yes. she is, full throttle, and I love it. And I yeah. love Numi Rapace as an actor. I think she's great. I loved her in the Swedish uh, Millennium trilogy and the Girl Dragon Tattoo, and which is what Ridley Scott saw and why he mm-hmm. wanted her, which I can totally see why, because she's so amazing as Elizabeth Slander. And yeah, and this scene, this scene, I'm like, yes, this is this is the New Mirror Pass I know and love because it is full adrenaline. It is just visceral and gut-wrenching mm-hmm. and great. And her acting here is so stellar. I love it. I love everything that's happening. The cinematography, the editing, her acting. Ah, oh, brilliant. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it was so creepy. It, Such body horror. I love oh, it. Yes. Like truly just uh, <laughs> uh, the sound of the staples. I was like, yes, no, I love no, the no. I also 
love how the like the pincers are going in and removing the like alien squid baby thing yeah. and it's like its tentacles are like, flapping like, around and she's like trying to wiggle underneath and uh, oh i love it i love it it's so uh, good it, it feels again so real yes like yes <laughs> it's great <laughs> it's so perfect that scene i feel like is the redeeming facet of this film because it's just so good. I just wish the rest of the film was at that caliber. Yeah. Yeah. That that's our body horror. That's, yes. you know, if if we're looking at things that we like about the original alien movie and in discussing the other ones uh, on this show, we've kind of talked about how after alien, they really sort of become more like aliens and they become more action movies yes. and aliens as an action movie is great, but the other ones kind of aren't really doing as much of the like horror film that the first alien does. And this one's got elements of it. Like we're, we're out in space. There's mystery. Mm -hmm. There's tension. It's not like we're opening with a shot of a chest burster or a face (laughs) hugger or anything, which some of the other ones have done where they're like, while, while names are on screen, they're like, look, a creature. And I'm like, no, no No, don't do that (laughs) i appreciate that this one like builds tension yes there's mystery we've got the body horror again but yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i mean and there is body it's not like this is the first time we've seen body horror in this film because of course we see it earlier with fightfield and milburn when they're left alone in the pyramid structure and (laughs) um milburn has the tentacle that goes down his throat and yeah, yeah. he's like get it out it's in my suit it's like yeah there's, so gross and then there's the yeah there's the the helmet that had the acid of blood on you know on byfield so yeah so we're getting pieces of that body horror but yeah but here is just full on this is gross but here you go we're just gonna yeah. show it unadulterated yeah and it's and it's so it's so raw and it is so just like one-on-one. It's mm-hmm. not like there's not a bunch of people around screaming at right. something. Like it is just, it is happening to her. Yes. And that's yes. it. Yes. And I love that. And that is something. And you're absolutely right. I do think that Aliens is a bit more horror than most people think. Because it, it is so action heavy that mm-hmm. it kind of overshadows a lot of the horror elements. But those are, those elements are still there. But I do think that body horror is such the cornerstone and the themes of these films is, mm-hmm. you know, motherhood and bodily violation. And yeah, it's really, and you had such a great point in the very first episode where you talked about how, you know, cause it, it is obviously about the male fear of rape and you're talking mm-hmm. about like, well, that's not really anything innovative or groundbreaking for me because as a woman, that's how you navigate the world. And you yeah. said it much more eloquently than what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but I, I was like nodding and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I completely yeah. agree. That's exactly right. Because that's when you are a woman navigating this world, you know, and I'm sure for many non-binary people too, that's your experience. You are constantly bombarded with, you know, misogyny and sexism and oh God, am I going to be attacked? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I agree with that. But what I kept thinking about watching this scene was the bodily violation element and kind of, you know, and anti-abortion measures throughout the country and how mm-hmm. how our bodily autonomy is constantly bombarded through mm-hmm. legal channels and, 
whatnot. And so that's what I thought of and, and connecting it to the other alien films, thinking about bodily violation and bodily trauma and how horrifying those things are. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think Prometheus does that element of it, especially in the scene, exceptionally well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something again that some of the other movies just are are missing that you can feel when you're watching them mm-hmm. all is there's not there's not a bigger story there's not an allegory there's they're just like and then with the aliens this happened and it's like <laughs> but do you, did you know that those <laughs> stories are are um trying to get you to think about something and like for right. James Cameron like he wanted aliens to be about like the treatment of like Vietnam veterans yes. and like military yeah. and and all of all of these things like people at the beginning were trying to tell stories. Mm -hmm. And I think in this one, Ridley Scott's gotten a little distracted by the idea that like, what if Jesus was an alien (laughs) and starts thinking about that. And (laughs) And it's also, it's not like he's not making a, like an allegory of like, what if Jesus was an alien? He like straight up is like, I want to make a movie where Jesus Jesus was an an alien. alien. Oh, but what about allegories? And he's like, no, no. aliens made people. <laughs> like, the oh, end. Okay. So, so you don't, you want to literally explore our makers. You don't want that to be symbolic where like the Android deals with that. No, you no. want the Okay. 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 We don't need subtext. Oh Just text God. is fine. It's fine. So. It, uh, it's so weird. Right. Because he's been exploring artificial intelligence and questions of creation throughout mm-hmm. his oeuvre, but yet, why is it? Why is it not allegorical here? Why is it so explicit here? Why? <laughs> no, I don't know why it has to get so literal and yet, like, just not even do anything concrete with it. No. Uh. <sighs> <sighs> Prometheus is just deep sighing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much my experience with it. Because <laughs> it yeah. could have been so good. Because there are so, so many great ideas here. Yeah. And Ridley Scott can be a really great filmmaker. And I know that's probably very controversial to say because I don't think he's always great. I don't. Yeah. But he can be brilliant. And he has been brilliant. Blade Runner for me is brilliant. Alien is brilliant. They're exceptional. They're wonderful. But this has so many great ideas, and this is a great cast. And mm. unfortunately, I feel like the cast is mostly wasted. The dialogue's so bad. <laughs> There's so Ooh. many illogical things that we keep saying, and it just it feels like a pantomime or a shell of what the first two Alien films are. And it just mm-hmm. it just makes me sad. It just <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't yeah. want to keep comparing it to the other Alien films, but I feel like it's so hard not to. I just because they're so well, well done. Yeah, I mean, if if they hadn't, and, and again, I think this come back comes back to the studio being like this needs yes. to connect. Yes, yes. If it hadn't connected, you'd be able to just sort of like watch it for what it was and be like, "That's weird," but <laughs> that was pretty cool. But it was weird, man. But you wouldn't be like it, it wouldn't have to live in conversation with these iconic films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it really, it's, it's doing it a disservice, but it's not like if you just separated it completely, it's flawless. Like there's still right. so many right. things I don't get. Right. Uh, <laughs> like I don't care about any of the characters, which is no. so problematic. No, no, I can't even 
tell you for sure how many there were because then (laughs) there were just like other people who just popped up midway through that they were like helping unnecessarily made up Guy Pierce as Wayland. Like why? Why was what? Why couldn't they cast an old man? So I actually know the answer to that question. (laughs) Okay, but I still think they should have cast an older man regardless. (laughs) Because it's so ridiculous. It's so yeah. it's so absurd. So the the reason why Guy Pierce was cast was because Ridley Scott wanted flashbacks to show Wayland like on a mega yacht with like hot young women, and he was gonna be a hot buff guy, and then they were gonna age him up when mm. the reveal is, oh hey, he's still here. But then they cut those scenes, those flashbacks, and so <laughs> you just have Guy Pierce in makeup, and it's weird. And why it's is it happening? Very weird. Yeah. Well, so it's it, just—it's bad. It's just bad. It's bad execution. <laughs> yeah. Just in general, I think that we should understand our limits with old age makeup. Yes. And, and realize that mm-hmm. at a certain point, just cast somebody else. Right. Just. Well, it's and, okay. And that's what's it's so. Okay. It, I, I totally agreed. And that's what's even more mind boggling is because Ridley Scott originally wanted Max von Sydow for the role. And I'm like, oh, he's great. That would have been great. And then he's like, yeah. no, but I want these flashbacks. So it has to be a younger. It doesn't. No, it really it doesn't. doesn't. It really like, doesn't. You can have multiple people playing the same character. It's happened in many, many films. It's okay. It is okay. It really will be okay. Dear filmmakers, it's okay. Like, and also, you know, I'm sure there was some like really, really old dude. Like, Mm -hmm. it was sad that he didn't get a gig. Yeah. Like, older people need jobs too. Yeah. Please stop putting people in terrible (laughs) rubber faces. Like, it's so bad. It's so bad. Let's just not. Oh my God. But yeah, that was weird. But I'm so glad you brought up the fact that you didn't even know exactly how many people were in the crew of this because no. yeah, because people kept coming in and yep. I'd be like, wait, who's that? And then like another thing, wait, who's that person? Were they here yeah. the whole time? I don't know. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. No, it's and that's something that if you if you want to take like again, I understand Ridley Scott did not want to make the other movies, mm-hmm. but you can look at what those other movies did well, and yes. you can say like, okay, well. Alien was a small group. We understood what everybody's job was. We had conversations between them. So we understood relationships like who's closer with who. Got it. Aliens, we've got a bigger group, but we still in like the tightest, tightest delivery of that that introduction. We get to know everybody and their vibe. It is fucking flawless. And and this movie is just like there's just more people popping up (laughs) over and over, (laughs) like just little side conversations of like, oh, I bet you 100 credits. And I'm like. What? Who are these people? Who cares? What do they do? <laughs> did they die? When did they die? Because everybody, everybody's gone except yep. for Shaw and David's head. So I, I am <laughs> not sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe that twice in this movie she carried a dismembered head. Yes, like. <laughs> yes, and she was very excited the first time. <laughs> oh, that was again so, so strange. All the decisions she was making, like. She's like, ah, let's trick it into thinking it's alive. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, if that's my head, no. 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 Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Why would you do that? Do you think anybody's going to be, like, happy when you've just, like, reanimated their decapitated head? What what were you expecting from him? (laughs) 
There are so many bad. I'm so glad you said that. There are so many bad decisions from the let's trick it. To, there's new cells here. We don't know what these cells are. We don't no. know what they're going to do. They don't. We don't mm-hmm. know if that's what killed this guy. Well, actually, he's decapitated. So I guess we do know that's what killed him. But yeah, but let's reanimate him and see what happens, Frankenstein like. And then yeah. to the removing of the helmets, which is still the scene that infuriates me because. I don't care. You are scientists. You still should want to wait and keep your helmets on. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And then the quarantining. And I'm like, you know, I feel like Vickers is supposed to be the villain because reasons. Not sure why. Just <laughs> because, because she's a woman in charge, that makes men Aha, mad. That's right, and she's and she's cold <laughs> and emotionless, so she must yeah. be evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but she's like, I'm not letting I'm not letting you on, Holloway. And I'm like, thank you, I wouldn't either. And again, this harkens back to Ripley not mm-hmm. wanting them on board because they need to quarantine and go through proper protocol. And Vickers yes. is absolutely correct. And yes, I'm like, yeah, I'm with you, Vickers. Don't let that jerk on. No, definitely not. And just the way that Shaw is treating him when he's in there again and he starts to feel sick, like it is Mm -hmm. as if she has never seen an ill person before. And like, and, and also like what on earth could be wrong with him? It's like, you're on an alien planet and everybody took their helmets off Mm -hmm. yesterday. Like nobody, nobody should be surprised by this. And like when they're back. So, after he's been dosed by David, but before anything starts happening with him, and she's like watching the footage, which I still don't understand how there's footage. I don't understand what the what's playing the holograms. Why? No clue. Doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what's recording them. I don't know what's playing them. They say it's been thousands of years. So mm-hmm. like, okay, what is what is that being stored on? No clue. But but she's. Like recording this to herself for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. This is a thing that she does in the movie. It's just all of a sudden she's like, I want to record notes. And she says, I can't help but wonder, was there an outbreak here? And I'm just like, I can't help but wonder, is she Carrie Bradshaw? Like that line was so bizarre. And I'm like, but also nothing that I've seen in these holograms has led me to believe specifically it was an outbreak. Like they were running from something. I, we are in the midst of an outbreak. I have not run at all. That's no, not what no. it is. I just stay away from people. <laughs> and wear a mask or a helmet. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. <laughs> like so that, that is the only argument for like, why did these dum-dums take their helmets off? How many dum-dums do you see out there without a mask? Those are the people who would take their helmets off. But I'd like now to think know. they weren't scientists. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think the scientists yeah. and the medical you, professionals yeah. are wearing their masks and you, helmets. You'd like to hope. <laughs> yeah, you that's really fair. Like that to is hope. fair. But, uh, unfortunately now we know so many people would be like well they said it's fine so i'm gonna take mine off yeah <laughs> well, they're not wearing theirs i'm gonna take mine off then like, i do kind of like oh. that byfield is like fuck this i'm out of here and he does not yeah. take his helmet off and yet i mean he still gets the shaft yeah. in the end but eh. yeah but at least he tries mm. he's like i'm going back to the ship i'm not taking off my helmet <laughs> yeah i i do i did I did appreciate the moment where somebody hears a strange noise on an alien planet and they're like, I don't like that. I'm going back. I'm out. Like, yes. I'm just a geologist. That's, that's what I would do. Yeah. I did like that. Like, I, I like rocks. Like, oh. No. And, and nothing here that you're doing has anything to do with rocks. Like, all right. Mm-mm. I'm kind of with you, dude. Mm-mm. So, uh... <sighs> Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, yeah, I keep I keep coming back to this, like thinking about the science of this film 
and the theology questions it's raising and existential questions it's raising. And, you know, I keep thinking of like Scully from X-Files and I'm like, yeah, there was a scientist who had faith and religion and all that, but it's done so much better. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it does feel like the movie kind of has Shaw just whenever anything doesn't make sense, they're just like, well, it's because she's religious that she does this. And it's like, well, that's kind of insulting to religious people. Right. Um, right. That's also just really shitty writing to be like, well, anytime <laughs> she does something stupid, it's because she has faith. What? That's just what? not how faith works, I'd like to think, and mm. not how anything works. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much deep sighing, I guess. I know. <laughs> Yeah, my stream of consciousness notes when I watch this are just question after question after question. Yeah, yes, mine too. And then eventually they stop because I'm like, okay, we're not doing that. (laughs) Like, this is just not, this is not the world that this movie is in where things should make sense. Like, I don't understand how the hologram appeared in like the ship and David was able to like hold the earth. Did it, was it real that he, cause he was holding, what, did he move it? I don't know. I don't know. And, and again, these are like all little things in movies that you would normally just be like, oh, I don't know. It was just cool looking. Right. But, but when that's the entire thing start to finish Mm -hmm. is just something that doesn't make sense. If you think about it for more than two seconds. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, again, this just comes back to, I'm constantly while watching this film reminded of better films. Like they're so often, there are references to like 2001, like in, when mm-hmm. we're seeing David and it's like, hello, David, like kind of like, hello, Dave in 2001. And oh, isn't that interesting? Because that also has a deadly <laughs> artificial intelligence who ends up killing people and it's deadly to them. But it's like, again, I'm just like, oh, I should watch Lawrence of Arabia. I should watch 2001. I should watch yeah. Aliens. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm just like, but yeah, it, it, that's the thing too. I know we're being really hard on this film, nitpicking it apart and nitpicking it. But that's the thing. It, in a better film, because you're right, there are things in Alien, there are things in Aliens that are not perfect. However, I would argue those are perfect films. And because mm-hmm. they're perfect films, not everything does have to be perfect. Because exactly. you're going along for the ride of the story. You're going along with these characters. You're rooting for them. You want them to succeed. Well, not Paul Reiser's character. Burke oh, is a dick, no. but... <laughs> terrible he's the worst the worst yeah but yeah but other than Burke and Ash of course in the first one you want them to succeed you want them to survive and it's just here that's like aside from Shaw's amazing surgical scene where even Mm -hmm. David is like wow I didn't I I underestimated your survival instincts (laughs) what a line (laughs) what a line oh boy but yeah. yeah but aside from that I was like Oh, yeah, I don't really care what happens. Oh, this person's dead now? Well, that's that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's like you said, when you're watching those better films, you don't get tripped up on the little things here or there. No. But everything in this movie trips you up. Yes. Everything. Yes. That's a great Just... summation. <laughs> I'm not even saying that was your, like, summation of the film, but that is a great summary of... <laughs> My feelings on the film, absolutely, yeah. And yeah. that's for me why it doesn't work because I read so many reviews on this film because I was like, because I remember the divisiveness, and of course there's still divisiveness now. Mm-hmm. But I read so many glowing reviews, and I'm like, what? 
Like, I just don't get it. I just, I, I, I don't get it. I just don't. Yeah. I just don't. Like, yes, does this film look good? Yes. Are there some great mm-hmm. scenes? Yes. Are there some great ideas? Yes. But overall, cohesively, no. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't come together. No. No. Yeah. No. Sadly, no. Yeah. Well, to kind of piggyback onto the references to other movies, it makes you want to watch <laughs> better movies. The score in particular heavily references the original alien yes. score. And um, Chris always has his Scalzo score corner. So I'm going to let him drop in his thoughts here. But you and I can also discuss Ooh, okay. the score <laughs> because it's been a while since we had a good one in these movies that I've been watching. And I was like, oh, my God, this sounds so good. Like it just sounded again, like I've just been watching Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. <laughs> and to hear this, which they uh they had the music written backwards and had the orchestra play it essentially backwards and then reversed the track so that it would sound spooky. Interesting. Like and unnatural. Mm. Which it <laughs> It's it's a little over the top. I don't I don't know that you had to do that, but but kudos. That's dedication. Think, yeah, <laughs> I just can't help but feel bad for those musicians that are like, I wait, what? You did what now? Like this is not gonna feel right. Um, no. But yeah, but it it was at least something nice to hear again. And uh, yeah, yes, it feels cinematic. It feels well constructed. Mm-hmm. Just like yes, the cinematography, the set design, the score. Yes. Those feel appropriate to the film. Yeah. I kind of wonder if maybe so many of those positive reviews are from people who just watched a lot of junk lately, like I was doing. (laughs) Could have been. Could have been. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think think people just adore Ridley Scott. And I mean, Mm -hmm. he is a very technical filmmaker. I get it. Mm Mm-hmm. But for me, there's there's some hit or miss things in his yeah. filmography. So yeah, and for me, yeah, he's he's got some writer dies, and I think honestly, like it it should expand to all directors. We should stop just getting the idea that any one director cannot make a bad movie because mm-hmm. they all can. They all yes. can. And I don't know why people get so confused that they think, you know, this group of like 10 or 15 like auteurs like, oh, well, well, it's not that it's not good. It's that's his vision and you don't understand it. And I'm like, oh nah, it's God. not good. No, it's, it's not, not good. good. <laughs> like, can we not? Like, I would even, they're not all great. No. And the thing of it is, is that's so absurd and ridiculous because all of film is subjective. All of art yes. is subjective. Everything is subjective. So no one is going to agree on everything being universally great or universally bad or anything. So to say, I think that is one of the most insulting comments to say, you didn't like it because you didn't understand it or because that's our vision. And I want to be like, what? No, I can understand everything and still not enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that can happen too. And the other thing too when people get protective about an auteur's vision is that mm-hmm. once a person puts art out into the world, whatever that is, it is no longer just theirs and it can be and should be interpreted by whomever critics, yes. audiences, you name it. And just because you are interpreting it or reading it or watching it in a way that the filmmaker didn't intend doesn't mean that that's the wrong way. Yeah. Ugh. Once, once you've put it out there, it is for everyone. Correct. That's how it works. Yes. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Agreed. Yeah. 
I love that it's subjective. I yes. love that I can watch something and hate it and you can watch something and love it. Yes. And then we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like Right. Or we can I, both love something and have completely different takes on it. Or yes. hate it and have completely different takes for yeah. different reasons. Yeah. yeah. No, that's the beauty of art and that's the beauty of film. And to reduce it to something so binary like oh well you didn't understand it or oh well that's the artist's vision it's like Mm -hmm. okay we can talk about what the director intended we can talk about why they made these choices or why they had these visuals and these people and these lines of dialogue okay but that doesn't mean that we can't also deconstruct it and analyze it and talk about why it doesn't work or why it does exactly (gasps) (laughs) so going Further into our subjectivity. Yes. Who gave your favorite performance in this movie? And I just want to like affirm, Chris and I don't do best. It is I your like favorite. Yeah. So, so there are never any wrong answers. But uh, in Prometheus, who gives your favorite performance, Megan? That is such a great question. And my favorite is Numi Rapace. And not just because she's the protagonist and because she's a woman, because I was thinking about this. I was like, is that the only reason why I like it? No. But no, <laughs> it really is the surgery scene. The abortion surgery scene is my favorite scene. It For the past nine years, it is the scene that I have thought of when I think of this film. And it is so visceral and so mm. raw. And I think she does such an excellent, excellent job in that scene. So for me, that scene is the best. Her performance is the best. So for me, my favorite is her. Yeah. Visceral is the the best word for it. It is a (laughs) physical performance and it is an emotional performance. It's very, very impressive. I'm glad that you picked her because I wanted to pick her, Mm -hmm. but I just could not get away from Michael Fassbender as David (laughs) in this. Um, I I had a feeling you might go with him. (laughs) I Well, throughout these movies, I am always more interested in the android in all of the stories they are fascinating it like it's just oh, i just thought his performance was so nuanced and muted and he mm-hmm. is he is in a different movie than everyone else but in a way <laughs> that true. makes sense mm-hmm. because he literally is he doesn't have the same stakes as everyone else that he's in the scene with he doesn't have the same purpose as everyone else he's in the scene with he has gone through a different two years than they have Mm -hmm. he's been alone um even after he gets his head ripped off he is still present (laughs) in the story and continuing to drive the action Mm -hmm. in what i feel like i should call like the patented alien series fourth act because there is always (laughs) Always. like you think it's over and they're like no 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 it's gonna be another half an hour and it's a lady fighting something. Just you wait. Always. And it's like, why do you expect me to be surprised every time? <laughs> this always happens. That's what but, I mean. This is why these are horror films at their core. There's always the yeah. final girl and yep. she's always fighting the, the yes. alien creature. And there's always an android somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so he was my favorite. I enjoyed how creepy he was. Yeah, he uh, was exceptional as far as creep the creep factor goes. No, he yeah. is really great. He does give a great performance and he's certainly one of my favorites. Yeah, those two really are no like pun intended, but like head and shoulders (laughs) (laughs) detached from him. Um, They're so much better than everybody else in the film. So much better. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, yeah, so much better. (laughs) I don't know what everybody else is doing. (laughs) I think they're trying. I think they're trying to work with what they got. (laughs) Yeah, or just not trying. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think efforts ranged. <laughs> yes. But like I think about Benedict Wong, who is so great and is such a great actor. And I think about Kate Dickey, who is so great and again, such a great actor. And yeah. here they're just like, eh. and it's, yeah, it's they're unfortunate. Underutilized. Uh, we do not get enough screen time on our actors who are giving good performances. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit too much screen time on Logan Marshall Green. Uh. Oh <laughs> you know, and what's so funny is he's amazing in Karin Kusama's The Invitation. He gives such a great performance in that film. And yet here he is just junk. It is garbage. He <laughs> it is so bad. In this movie. <laughs> so he bad. Is, he is in a completely different situation in his head. He is in like. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's, it, like, it, and I don't want to be there. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be no, there. I don't want to see that movie. His <laughs> no. performance is so much more suited for Alien versus Predator Requiem. <laughs> <laughs> like he should be in that small town in Colorado fighting off a predator. He would make a lot more sense there than as like an archaeologist who is like intent on. Did he think he was Indiana Jones? Because again, Indiana Jones is a better archaeologist, dude. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, Holloway is the worst. The worst. We, we don't normally pick our least favorite. Oh. <laughs> it ends up coming up, but um, I'd have to give it to him pretty solidly. Like, a hundred percent, without question, he is yeah. the weakest link. He is. <laughs> wow, he's just bad. Yeah, and it's frustrating because, like I said, I've seen him be good, so I know he can, he can be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's misguided. Let's just call it misguided. <laughs> very, yeah. very. Oh boy. Yeah. So we we've talked and sighed a lot about <laughs> this movie. <laughs> so much sighing. Uh, but on a scale of one to five eggs, mm-hmm. uh, and half eggs are allowed, but we we can't go smaller fractions than that because you can only crack an egg in half. So one being the worst, five being the best. Megan, how would you rate? Prometheus what score on our egg rating do you give it I give it two eggs okay yeah and okay. and the reason why is because of the surgery scene and because of Numir Pass and because of Michael Fassbender as David and the cinematography is pretty good too yeah yeah that's fair yeah because otherwise fair. I would have given it a one <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but yes but there are some technically well done things so yes so I give yeah. it a two yeah so this, again, this is definitely a tough one to score because like we talked about earlier, separating it from what mm. it's part of, that that influences it. But again, as a standalone movie, it's not really accomplishing everything it wants to. Uh, the crew is mostly dumb. Um, <laughs> like they just make a lot of nonsensical decisions. Oh, the logic yes. start to finish doesn't really seem to add up, but... After what I've been watching recently, my God, this is beautiful. Like, it just looks so good. And there are people who I recognize in it, and some of them are good. So I've got to give it three eggs. It, okay. And and if I'm, like, extrapolating this out to a percentage 60%, like, all right, yeah, I give this movie 60%. Like, it's so close to three and a half for me, but mm-hmm. I just, I can't quite give it that because we've talked for over an hour about all the stuff that doesn't make sense. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I like, I got very technical. I started grading various elements of it yeah. and I was doing fractions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so. That's the thing is it would be easier to grade if we allowed smaller fractions, 
but mm-hmm. you know what? This is the the world okay. of Letterboxd is they don't That's let right. us. So halves. There you go. Perhaps. I watch a lot of movies and I'm like 3.25, but that's not allowed. So <laughs> I am a big fan of the 0. 0.25 or 0. 0.75. So yeah, I it hear matters. you. It matters. Maybe we should petition Letterboxd to change it. Um, <laughs> that's how they used to do it on, uh, what was it like star search, right? They would like average yes. them out. You could get yes. quarter stars. Quarter stars are important. I agree. There's, there's a big difference between three and three and a half. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of range in there. Yes. Yes. A lot of wiggle room. Yeah. Yeah. But alas, we are we are tied to, you know, bigger fractions here. So we've got two eggs for Megan, three eggs for me. And I don't know what Chris is going to give it. I'm going to let him drop it in. So we'll do that. (laughs) I can't wait to find out in here. I know. I know. And I always love at the end of the seasons that I get to make like a chart mapping (gasps) our scores as it goes through. Season one was tough stuff for me because it was just like, I love these movies. And then as Kevin Smith's career goes on, I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I know. Yeah. It's like a that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I have to say, that is one of the things I love most about you. I love that you love making charts and researching because researching is my favorite thing. You said that on one of the episodes. You're like, because I love research. And I was like, yes. Oh, my gosh. I I love the IMDb trivia page. It is. It's the best. Every movie I watch, I spend at least as long reading trivia about it as I did watching the movie. Like I know, but IMDb is so unreliable. But oh, yeah. People put all kinds of exactly. nonsense on there. Exactly. And then, like, they just repeat themselves. I'm like, what is happening? That yeah. trivia was up three other points. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, yeah. But, no, yeah. it is great. But, yo, yeah, but I was like, I always have to cross-reference to make sure. Oh, yeah. You can find some wild lies there. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Fun rabbit hole to go down though. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I think I think the first like account I had other than AOL was I had an IMDB account for those forums. That was like very early internet for me was I was like on message boards and I would get emails every time someone replied to the thread and I'd like go and continue the conversation from months ago. I'm so sad they had to get rid of those, but they did because it was toxic. Uh, It was fun. Where the internet is not toxic. Not to defend them getting rid of that. is the worst. Uh, I never read the comments. That's what they always say. (laughs) <laughs> but yet i can't help it i know but i just want to know i need to know <laughs> my curiosity gets the best of me i need to know yes <sighs> well thank you so much megan for for joining me on this episode i absolutely loved deeply sighing with you about <laughs> prometheus um where can our listeners find you if they want to hear more of your fantastic takes? Oh my God, you're the sweetest. Thank you. And I love sighing <laughs> with you. You're my side buddy now. <laughs> We're side sisters. Yes. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Opinion S World. Uh, you can also find me at my home podcast, Spoiler Piece Theater, where we put out shows every week. Awesome. Awesome. You can uh, follow this show at Screen Run on Twitter. You can email us at ScreenRunFun at gmail.com. You can follow me at the Lady One and my co-host Chris at CG Scalzo. 
because uh, if he gave a really high score to this movie and he um, hates us now, uh, you can tell him that he's wrong. So you can go tweet at him there. Um, <laughs> he would be wrong if he gave this a high score. <laughs> I don't know, Z. That's the thing is he and I had not, we never talk about it before we start recording. I love that. So sometimes we are coming in very different. <laughs> Often we are coming in very different. So that's part of the fun. That is fun. That is fun. Yeah. Uh, so you can listen to our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify now, please drop us a rating. It helps the show so much. And then coming up in just a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the last film in the series, at least for now, uh, Alien Covenant. And we will get a lot of Chris's thoughts on Prometheus then, I promise you. So we will we will get to that. Um, but for now, again, thank you so, so, so much, Megan. This was a blast. Oh, I'm so glad we got to talk. Me. I know. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Yay. It was a great time. Yay. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back soon. Hey, everybody. It's Chris. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to join uh, Ms. Juan and Ms. Kearns this week. Oh, I was so disappointed with that. God, life stinks sometimes. But I wanted to share a couple of my thoughts on Prometheus as I get to edit this week. So you didn't get rid of me. First up, Juan had mentioned my score corner. I I agree, I think, with both of our uh, hosts this week. I think that Michael Streetenfeld's score in here is actually the best we've heard probably since Horner and definitely since the uh, Goldsmith score. A lot of the stuff in between just has not been good. But I think this one really is able to kind of capture the awe and grandeur and that epic feel that I think that Scott is going for. I think the main track, which is titled Life, is kind of what's it's the main theme that kind of carries through the whole film and all the big moments. So that track alone, I think, is better than a lot of the stuff we've heard since uh, Aliens. So nice, bombastic, helps fit the uh, epic scope Scott's going for. So well done. A big fan of that one. A couple other things about the movie itself. I, I've always enjoyed the ambiguity of this film. I think it works to the film's uh, betterment. Betterment? Is that a word? I think it's improved by it. Uh, because that's the whole point, right? I mean, the, the core of this film is in the title. Prometheus. Right? Where you have our two main characters, Nomi Rapace and, and uh, Logan Marshall Green. And... They're, you know, they're trying to, how do I put this? They're trying to find out who they are and why they are, right? And whenever you deal with this kind of stuff, when you get too close to the gods, right? The gods are going to slap you down. And that's basically what happens. You may think you want to know, but maybe you're better off not knowing. And I think that whole thing theme runs through the entire film, particularly with Nomi Rapace's character. I think that she is in this entire time, uh, her Elizabeth Shaw is on this quest and then she finds out in the end you know, it was better just to let things be. And I love that whole thing and I think the ambiguity works to magnify that as well. Now maybe now maybe I'm lucky because I never watched Lost and so I didn't have that built up Lindelof uh, animosity with the way that show ended. But I've, as I said, I've always just been a big fan of this film. It's the title really explains it all. You're familiar with the Prometheus legend, the uh, God that brought fire, fire to man and then was punished for it. It really, it's a great 
kind of, you know, it's, I don't know, sci-fi reinterpretation uh, of that film. The effects are fantastic. The visuals are incredible. The whole film is just a spectacle. And it is gorgeous to watch. Um, what else? A couple of things that I thought was crazy. That the film supposedly takes place in 2090, which is really not that far away. I don't know if we're going to make those technological advances by that point. Especially at the rate we're going now. But uh, still, uh, great, great stuff here. I also want to give a shout out to Megan's reference to The Invitation, which is a fantastic film. I think it's currently streaming on Shudder. Uh, you can just look it up. But if you haven't seen The Invitation, really top-notch stuff. Creepy as all hell. One of my favorite things about it, if you listen to the Prometheus commentary, you get a real taste for our boy uh, Ridley Scott. I know he's had a bit of a run on social media right now with kind of his attitude. And I think this kind of stuff just perfectly encapsulates him. I have a view. I hate to use the word vision, but I do have a vision. I know exactly what I want. That's why this, everyone is going, mm, it's the table, fucking hologram. And I think eventually you have to say, honestly, shut the fuck up. You can bleep me if you like. Part of the job as a director is you've got to just stand your ground saying, this is what I want, fuck off, and that's it. Then now they're going, oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, pups are saying. But it's, that's part of the job. It, it, it doesn't matter. What I notice is it doesn't matter how experienced you get. I've got more films in this goddamn building and three in, I think, the Library of Congress. And people still go, what are you doing that for? It gets really annoying. You think I'd have earned the right now to do, you know, have something. But you don't. I think that's what's interesting about the business you're in a constant state of somebody saying, why are you doing that? And usually they're really inexperienced or just fundamentally stupid. And you say, I'm doing it because. <laughs> just fundamentally stupid. Ah, I got to respect the man. So I also want to mention, too, I think that both uh, Juan and Ms. Kearns are absolutely correct. That this film has some of the most visceral, disturbing and scary scenes in any of the Alien films particularly the, uh, air quotes, abortion scene when they have the parasite alien thing removed from Shaw's body. I remember watching that in the theater myself and just cringing. I think I curled up into a ball in my seat. It was really, it's that upsetting. And we'd watching it again for the show, same reaction. Just absolutely unnerving and terrifying and worth watching just for that. And also the first time that the two uh, scientists encounter the, um, what is it, the snake kind of looking version of things that Sean Harris is Feifeld. Man, and is it what, Rafe Spall's Milburn? This, that initial interaction, too, is also just really disturbing. So I'm a lot softer on this. I like Prometheus. I think for my performance, I'm going to go with Fassbender's David. I think that he really has that edge there's a sinisterness to him you know when he's being openly kind of mocked at times by Logan Marshall Green's Charlie Holloway you can see it bothers him and he clearly chooses him for his experimentation just because of that there is a real animosity between the two and Fassbender's character though I think is the richest and most interesting out of all of them next to probably Nomi or Pace she's a close runner-up so yeah but I think I gotta land with Fassbender and then finally for my score, I'm going to go... Man, I'm tempted to go four eggs. But I'm going to go three and a half. I think I'll go three and a half is solid. 
it's not as good as Aliens, not as good as Aliens, but for me, it's the best of the rest. Though, we will be talking about Covenant next, which I have not seen since it first came out. So, yeah. That's it for me. I do want to leave one little addendum, one little uh, postscript. So, when I did this film for my other show, The First Run, we I really liked it then, too. And I think you can track down that episode. It's still online. But I remember saying that um, I wasn't sure if this film was a prequel or a sequel, where it is tangentially, kind of where it is in the alien universe. And listen to the commentary. Scott says it's neither. It's not a prequel. It's not a sequel. It's just in the same universe. And I had said that during the show initially, and I got an email from somebody who called me an idiot for saying it's not that. It's not one of those. And I got to tell you, 10 plus years later, it felt good to get that vindication. You know, when you just have those moments where you say something awkward to somebody and it just bothers you for the rest of your life. Well, that's one of those weird things that's been hanging on me forever, even after all the years of therapy. Anyway, those are my thoughts on Prometheus. Thank you so much for Megan for joining us this week. It was great to actually listen to this episode as I edited it. It was a lot of fun, great conversation. I hope to get Megan on uh, my show as well at some point or to have her back for whatever season three ends up being. Who knows? Anyway, everybody take care of yourselves and we will see you soon. You don't know. This place isn't what we thought it was. They aren't what we thought they were. I was wrong. We were so wrong.